0: Mike Andes is here. Is Mike Andes. Is your business ready to break through the sound barrier? Hold on tight because we're about to take off. Business Bootcamp Podcast.
1: Hey everyone, today we have a special guest on this episode, episode 41. And remember, you guys can always get the show notes by just doing Business Bootcamp Podcast dot com slash whichever episode we're on. Today's episode 41. Today we got Todd Treseder. Todd is a financial coach and mentor on his website financialmentor.com. And today we're going to be talking about, especially for service businesses, how you can charge what you're really worth. Like for instance, Todd was charging $450 per hour for coaching and in the meantime was having his calendar jam-packed so it wasn't like he was getting one of these every you know every blue moon he was jam full jam-packed had clients waiting for him and yet was still charging a premium for it so that's what we're gonna be learning out today service businesses local businesses people who charge by the hour who really uh money is time is money in your business this is gonna be a good one for you guys to listen to uh definitely help me with my company and my website and how I'm going to start implementing more content marketing. So without any further delay, let's get Todd on the show. Todd, how you doing?
0: I'm doing great.
1: All right, Todd, well, let's get started. Can you kind of introduce yourself to our audience and kind of tell a little bit about yourself and how you've got to where you are today?
0: Uh, well, my background... Where I learned my investing chops was in the hedge fund business, so I sold that company back in 1997, and uh, which is ancient times in internet days, and got this kind of crazy bug up my rear that I could actually help people develop financial independence. I had a lot of people asking me, how did you do what you did? Because I, you know, quote unquote, retired at age 35. Uh, you know, so and that was a long time ago. I'm fifty-three now. And so people were saying, How'd you do it? What'd you do? And what I noticed is they didn't really even know to ask the right questions. You gotta understand, put this in context. 97 the stock bubble was raging and everybody wanted to know what the hot stock was, and wealth was all about picking a hot stock. And so I just was crazy enough to think I could actually help people, and so I started building out financial mentor. Um and I started coaching people. And what I quickly realized was there's a lot more to building wealth and helping people build wealth than meets the eye. Um, you know, I did it a certain way, but what I did won't necessarily work for everyone else. And so as I was working with clients, I had to really uh, redirect what I was doing and learn what pieces were missing, what things I understood implicitly that other people don't understand that I had to bring into the educational process. There was just a lot of learning and eventually, it resulted in a process I call seven steps to seven figures. So I've got it down to kind of a science now, but it took me years to figure out.
1: So what was what was the way that you built your wealth? Like you talked about, um, for everyone it's different. But how did you do it, Todd?
0: I did it the hard way, which is paper assets. That's one of the most difficult ways to do it. But really, um, it was both a combination of business entrepreneurship and paper assets. So um, through my hedge fund background, I became quite skilled at investing, and then. Uh, through the hedge fund business itself, I was amassing significant capital as well. Because the thing that I did right is I never really went much beyond college kid lifestyle. You know, So I got in the hedge fund business straight out of college. Well, not quite straight out of college, but pretty close to straight out of college. And I just did one thing right, which was I never really upped my lifestyle. I just didn't have a big taste for expensive lifestyle despite a high income at that age and banked most of what I made and it just wasn't that hard by following that path. So,
1: so you are involved like pretty heavily with the hedge funds and that kind of realm. When was it that you kind of decided that you were going to do something on your own and kind of take an entrepreneurial plunge?
0: Well, the hedge fund was on my own too. Um, I had a crazy idea when I was in college. I was taking an investments class in college um and i had a professor of investing and he was he was already successful it wasn't like he just taught but didn't know what he was doing he was a successful investor and i remember in class one time i can still remember to this day um we're looking at a textbook and they've got these charts of stocks and commodities and things and i went to him after class and i said you know i could make money off this and not know anything about it and he looked at me like i was from mars or something and said well nobody's ever done that and i said well no i could i could do it statistically you know, and, and he said, well, no, that's impossible. You can't do that. And, I, you know, you got to set the context for this discussion. This is back in 19, you know, like 1981, 82 or whatever. And, you know, IBM was just coming out with its first PC. You know, Apple was coming out with its first PC. There was no stock databases. Nobody was using computing to figure out trading methodology. I mean, I was a very early pioneer in uh, computerized trading systems and mathematical applications to trading. And so I said, I, I just thought about it. I thought, no, I could do this. I mean, I, re- I really could. And so, you know, I'm just, that's the way I am. And so I just looked at it, got a bug up my rear, and I started figuring it out. And it worked. And it became the basis for the hedge fund. So uh, I teamed up with an older guy because nobody's going to give money to a zitty-faced kid straight out of college. And so I teamed up with an older guy who had a similar vision. Um, and together uh, and together we built it up and it totally worked. And so, you know, I didn't, I was out on my own from the beginning. I was, I've always been an entrepreneur. I mean, as a kid, I had paper routes. Like I got my first paper route as, I don't know how young, like 11 or something. And then I used the money from the paper route to buy a motorcycle so I could take on more paper routes and make more money in the same amount of time and ride my cool motorcycle around the neighborhood. So, you know, I've, I've just always been an entrepreneur
1: Awesome. So, kind of let's dig into what you were doing once you kind of started the, your, your own business here with the uh, creating fi- like the financial mentor. And for everyone out there, I'll put a link dot uh, financialmentor.com. But can you kind of walk us through what you do on that program and kind of like what you're generating income from now?
0: Yeah, well, it's just been a fumbling forward. You know, I started out with just this idea that um, I could. You know, help people build wealth and so I started coaching just curious could I really do it you know I mean I did it in my own life but could I really help others do it and so I started building out financial mentor I, I got the URL back in 98 I think um, and I put a, I, I made every mistake in the book I I built a website in frames uh, you know as a static website then about 2008 or so I got hold of WordPress and that's when I really started building it out like what you see today the main of monetization on it until recently was the uh, coaching, you know, one-on-one coaching business. That was all it was ever designed to be in the beginning was just a, a, a platform for a one-on-one, you know, boutique coaching business. And that's what I started. I don't, you know, I'm not accepting clients anymore, so I'm not trying to promote that in any way. Um, but then as I got into it, I realized it could be much, much, much bigger, Um, but I did learn in the process how anyone can fill a service business. It's, uh, there's a a real science to filling a service business. And I got to the point that I was having to turn clients away. I never really wanted to become a, you know, a thousand dollar an hour coach. And those guys do exist. And that was never my vision. I'm not trying to get rich through coaching. I've already got my wealth. It was just, it was going to be a nice little boutique coaching business and I was going to develop some stuff. So now I'm productizing all my knowledge and putting it into products on the website, which is where the seven steps to seven figures process comes in. And the whole idea is to be able to reach more people at a lower price point. About the most, you know, the greatest number of clients you can really effectively service in one-on-one coaching is kind of 20, 25. It's really hard to properly service people beyond that. You really burn out as a coach. And I didn't want to do that. It was always something I enjoyed and so now I'm writing books and I'm developing the courses and I'm moving the business to the next step.
1: So how did, how did you get those, uh, like those students or those people that were learning from you as a mentor? Uh, like what were you doing for marketing and how did you get them as clients?
0: Well, you know, when people talk about, like if you go through and you look at all the instruction about how to get clients, right? So this is, this is instruction for a service business. For anybody with a service business, it could be a financial advisor, it could be a coach, you know, you know, whatever, uh, service business. There's usually two types of instruction. One is the, the cliche, you know, like paid advertising, networking events, talk with three people a day, smile and dial, you know, all that kind of stuff. And what I call that is push marketing, mm-hmm. and where you're pushing outward and you're trying to, you know, get the clients and get their attention. It's a traditional model and it's really outdated. Um, what I learned very quickly was it wasn't fun. It was really hard work and the biggest thing for me as somebody who's teaching uh, building wealth is that there was no equity in it Mm -hmm. and that I didn't like at all. It was trading time for money uh, and frankly, it just wasn't fun. And so there's another concept, uh, pull marketing or it's commonly referred to in internet space as content marketing and that was the one that really attracted me and where I came into that was I asked myself a question. I said – if Robert Kiyosaki or David Ramsey um, put out a sign and said they're fina- they're offering financial coaching, they would have people lined up around the block uh, and paying fees much higher than I was charging. And so I asked myself, what's the difference? You know, because I don't consider them any better at this than I am. You know, that's again my ego talking, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so I said, well, what's the difference? And the difference was they had a platform. They had a large content marketing platform, and they had relationship with their with their following, and those. So there's a trust relationship and uh, a, a platform of expertise established that would cause people to literally throw money at them, and so that got me going on the direction of building a platform and developing content marketing, which is, I think, the smartest way to market a service business.
1: So how can someone do that? Like, say, if they have like a plumbing business or some other service business that they're going to be, you know, shaking hands with clients, getting contracts. Like, what can someone do to do uh, content marketing if they're not in like a like writing a book, say?
0: Well, everything on the internet works off a simple formula, which is traffic times conversion equals profit, right? Yeah. So you'd have to figure out how to how to develop content and interest for people looking for your specific service. So in your example, plumbing, it's different from financial coaching. Okay, Mm -hmm. so we'll use both those just to contrast it. Plumbing is always going to be a local service. Like if you look on the internet for a plumber, you're going to look up, uh, I don't know, what town are you in? Uh, Oh, you're you're in Washington. Yep. Okay, so you're going to look up Washington plumber or you're going to look up plumber in, I'm not going to state your town because I don't know how public you are. So I'll say plumber in Seattle, Washington. Yeah. Right, You're going to do a local search because you need a local service. And so it's pretty straightforward what the money – I call them money terms. What the money terms are that you have to establish your ranking for on the internet. And so you would uh, provide a lot of content and a lot of resources around all the ins and outs of plumbing in Seattle, Washington. And over time, Google would recognize your site as expert in that field. For me, the terms are a little different because my, my clientele is international, Uh, I've got people from all over the world, literally. And so my terms are more generic. So what I realized is the money terms for my business were financial coach, financial coaching, money coach, money coaching, investment coach, investment coaching, that kind of thing. And so if you go look on Google now, uh, as of this recording, I should be somewhere near the top of page one for all those terms. Hmm. And there's a specific way to go about doing that.
1: Awesome. Awesome. So for someone like if, if you weren't having a public audience and you were more, I mean not a public, but like a, a worldwide audience and you were more locally based, would you suggest doing something on your own website or creating content and then getting it on like other links and websites and then connecting to your own?
0: Well, the answer is both. Okay. So, you know, Google's very smart, right? So first of all, You don't want to become what copy blogger has dubbed, and I love the term, a digital sharecropper. Yeah. Right? So um, what that means is that you try to build your presence out on someone else's platform. So ultimately, you have to build your own platform. You want to think of it as hub and spoke, right? So you build your own platform, which is the hub of everything you do. And then you do what Pat Flynn has called the be everywhere strategy, which is then you reach out. Once you've got an established platform that converts, then you reach out and you be everywhere, you know, whether it's YouTube or podcasting or guest posting on other sites or as I'm right here, right? I'm as a podcast guest with you. And so, as I'm out everywhere, then all those links and all that recognition, name recognition feeds back into my hub which increases my authority. Google's looking for authoritative sites, so you want to have a narrowly niche site around your money keywords, your money themes, if you will, so that could be plumber in Seattle, Washington, or it could be financial coach. You want to uh, build you know, authoritative content, have a really valuable, really great website around that subject, and then you reach out everywhere and have all that authority linking back into the hub, and pretty soon Google starts recognizing that you're authority on that subject, because guess what? Everybody else says you are.
1: Right. Right. All right, so like, why why pool marketing? I'm, like, what's wh- is it better than push marketing? Is push marketing you know uh, a thing of the past? Like, is that the way we're going with pool marketing? Why is that kind of the new trend, Todd?
0: Well, tell me, do you like to be sold?
1: No, I don't actually. <laughs> yeah, nobody does. Yeah, nobody
0: does. As a matter of fact, we all have the image of the slimy uh, used car salesman, right? Right. Yeah, nobody wants to be sold, but do you like help? With uh, problems you're working with? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and if you find somebody that's genuinely helped you and is genuinely providing great value and suddenly – so let's say like you're kind of a do-it-yourself plumber guy and this guy has got all kinds of great plumbing content about how to fix leaky faucets and how to do this and how to do that and he's provided you with all this great content and been helpful and suddenly one day you've got a big plumbing job and it's just too big for you. Or, or you don't have the time to deal with it. Are you going to call the guy that's giving you all that value all that time?
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Totally. Yeah. Totally. And so what it is, it's a really fun way to market. It. It's a fun way to reach out and give value to people, to really help people. And then on top of that, you're building authority um, for your subject matter expertise And so – and then you're building equity too because the site then – I think of my site as virtual real estate,
1: Hmm.
0: right? And the neat thing about virtual real estate, like regular real estate, you pay a fortune to get on the best street corner in town, right? Because it's extremely valuable. Well, the thing about virtual real estate is you literally determine what street corner you're on by how much value you build,
1: Awesome, awesome. So, so you want, did you build that site as kind of like the original way of marketing your clients, or was it at first like word of mouth?
0: Well, when I first launched as a financial coach, there wasn't anybody else on the internet as a financial coach, and so it was really simple for me to rank for those terms. And for years, I did. And then over time, of course, it becomes more competitive. And so, um, originally, I, you know, I kind of lost track of your question. You give it back to me again.
1: Or just how you started? Like was it um, more word of mouth like when you started or just from the, the website?
0: Well, there was some word of mouth but ultimately the website drove the business from day one.
1: Yeah. So like what was your ideal client when you were kind of going for for uh, customers when you started?
0: I didn't know but that's a great question because that's key to doing this properly. You have to really identify – because you have to identify the client's buying process. Yeah. Yeah. In order to do this properly. So you have to know intimately, and I mean intimately, who your ideal client is. And you have to know their problems and issues better than they know it themselves. Um, and then you have to map that into the process built in your website. So I'll give you an example. I've got several um what would they they call them avatars now in the business. I've got several ideal client profiles. One of them is the client who is just at the cusp of financial independence. So they've amassed enough money to retire or be financially independent because, again, retirement's just a, a euphemism for old age financial independence, right? Yeah, yeah. So they're really kind of similar concepts. They've amassed enough wealth and they know they're on the cusp, but they're not really sure. And then the other thing is they're not really sure, well, what am I going to do when I'm retired? Yeah. Like how am I going to cre- recreate my life and what does it mean to be financially independent? There's like a lot of uncertainty and questions that rise up. And so that's a really common client that comes to me as somebody that's close to financial independence. They've amassed pretty good wealth. They want to make a transition in their life and they don't really know what to do. Like it's a really confusing time.
1: Yeah, yeah. So like – so when, when you were starting – uh, But let okay. me be clear.
0: I didn't, I didn't know any of that when I started. Right, I just was yeah. going to be a financial coach, and I was going to help people build wealth. Like it was just a really simple thing, and I think that's an important point uh, to get out to your listeners: is you don't have to have this all figured out, right? Right, you just need to start somewhere and get moving forward, and then just keep improving it and adding on it and getting better and better. So you have to have a general direction. Like I knew I was going to help people build wealth, but I didn't know I was going to write books. I didn't know about content marketing. I didn't know who my ideal client was. I mean, I just totally fumbled forward, made all kinds of mistakes, and over time just got better and better at it.
1: Awesome. Yeah. And when we were talking before, uh, Todd, we, we talked about, you know, you you'd mentioned how some people charge $1,000 per hour for coaching and and you were charging, you know, not quite that much, but still hundreds of dollars per hour. How do you build that kind of value in order for a client to pay you that kind of money? Because I know some people out there, they might have a service business, uh, something online, they might be creating content, but they might be giving it away or it's very cheap or they're competing at a very low level as far as margins. So how do you create something that is highly profitable and still generating a huge amount of demand?
0: Well, you have first of all, I, I think the question's a little upside down in the sense that you have to you have to know what the value is what the value is of the service you provide. So yeah. for example, if I'm coaching someone on an improved investment strategy and they have a couple million dollars involved, that's worth a lot to them. Mm -hmm. And so all they really have to know is that I'm legit and that I actually know what I'm talking about and that I can actually help them produce the results they want. And so you have to look at the result that your service provides and there's going to be a market value for that or a, a reasonable approximation of a value for it. And so it's going to be different. A plumber has a pretty narrow scope of what the value of the service is. You know, as opposed to my wealth coaching and investment coaching and things like that, the value on that's quite a bit different. And so, uh, does that answer your question?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so, like, um, as far as for entrepreneurs out there that are wanting to start or are they're, they're, they have a business right now that they're trying to grow, like, do you have any sort of advice for them or like, how did you scale your business uh, after starting it? How did you kind of like hit that critical mass if you were?
0: Hard work. (laughs) It just, it takes time. You know, like I'd love to tell you that I had this magic bullet that I pulled out, but it would all be a lie. You know, I kept adding to the content. I kept writing. Um, Eventually I added a podcast. You know, I, to this day, I mean, you know, before we started this interview, I was working on the site. So, um, you know, but to me, it's, I'm building an equity asset. I enjoy it. I look on it as a form of art. You know, I'm building a piece of art and I just keep building it and building it. And I'm an artist, not just a content marketer. And so again, that's just how I view things. And so I don't think there is a magic bullet because again, what you're trying to do is you're trying to build something that talks to your target client and converts them to whatever service or products that you offer and so for me it's been brick by brick and I know that's not consistent with a lot of other stories a lot of other people have kind of that magic bullet that they pulled out where you know once they got this piece right everything broke open but I never had that for me it's just been brick by brick and the thing just grows and grows and grows
1: Yeah so a- as you were growing like we go back to marketing of course because I know especially nowadays now Because when you started, it sounds like you were kind of one of the first uh, financial mentors or coaches online. But as there was more and more uh, competition and other people started doing that, no doubt your marketing kind of had to evolve and change. Like you talk about a head-on approach versus an indirect approach. Can you kind of go over what that means?
0: Yeah, so a head-on approach is kind of like it sounds, right? You take it head-on. So for for the example we're using here, it would be – Plumber in Seattle or financial coach. So what you do is you identify those keywords that people search for on the internet that are what we call money keywords. In other words, when they're looking for that keyword, they're looking exactly for your service. Okay? Yeah. And once you identify those money keywords, then you figure out how to become an authoritative expert for those terms. Yeah. in terms of your content marketing, the content you produce. So like, if you look on my site, I've got a whole silo of content around the terms financial coaching and money coach, money coaching, all that. And they're authoritative. I mean, go ahead and search the rest of the internet for anything more authoritative on the subject. It's not there. Um, and it took me a long time to build it out, but it's pretty much A to Z, everything you need to know about the subject. And so that's the head-on approach and it's all built in a very specific way. It's a silo of content and you can, you know, Google how to build a silo content. There's specific strategies for how you go about doing that. You build that out. That's the head-on approach. So now when people look for a financial coach or financial coaching or investment coach, investment coaching, money coach, money coaching, I show up. And the neat thing about coaching is it's a trust relationship. You know, you don't it's not like a calculator online where you wanted to find a uh, credit card calculator. And so as soon as you find one, that's good. That's all you needed. It doesn't matter that there's 400 versions of it, right? Or even 4 million versions of it. You only needed one. They all do pretty much the same thing. Coaching's different. Every coach is different. And so what people will do is their behavior is different around trust relationship terms like that. And so, Uh, You don't have to be number one for the term financial coach to get the traffic off it. You just have to have the best site that resonates with your target market. And you have to be somewhere in the top page or two. And so that is good enough for that type of a business. And so that's the head-on approach, right? You get the targeted keywords that are money terms, and you work your site to rank for those terms. Mm -hmm. And it takes time. You're not going to become an authority overnight. It's a long-term process. Uh, but once you have it, it's an extremely valuable asset that will serve your business in perpetuity. It becomes basically a marketing machine on autopilot. Um, the second approach is what I call the indirect approach. And so there's a couple good examples of that. You could take Pat Flynn over at Smart Passive Income. Yeah. Or you could take Jamie Tardy over at EventualMillionaire.com. Um, neither one of those market directly uh, as a head-on to their terms. It's not like you see Pat targeting the term – internet marketing. Instead what Pat does is he provides amazing educational content and resources around all the subtopics of internet marketing so that anybody interested in podcasting will find his podcasting tutorial as an example. Mm-hmm. And when they do, they'll see that Pat's a leading podcaster and that he offers some affiliate products related to it. You know, so example there's mics for or there's links to a mic on Amazon that he recommends and and there's links to hosting that he recommends and other services that he recommends. So he builds a trust relationship through amazing content that provides all the how to's. And then what he does is he provides affiliate links to all the tools. Okay. So it's kind of like in the gold rush days, right? The, the, the story is that in the gold rush days, the guys that made all the money were the guys that sold the picks and shovels and the Levite jeans. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Right. And it's because they sold the tools And so that's an example of the indirect approach. CopyBlogger is another example. CopyBlogger teaches you all about content marketing, and then their entire business model is around providing you with the tools you need to become a great content marketer. And so those are indirect approaches. Jamie Tardy over at Venture Millionaire, what she does is she has, I know how many interviews with millionaires she has now. It's way more than 100. It's probably getting close to 200, you know, or 150 or whatever.
1: I I think it was like 150. I was just on it uh, a couple days ago.
0: Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so she provides um, all this education with millionaires about how they became millionaires. And then what she does is now she has a new uh, service to become a millionaire, right? So it's like a coaching program. But that's not directly marketed. That's that's a service or the picks and shovels, if you will, right. to people interested in hearing more about millionaires and how they became millionaires. So that's the indirect approach. The key distinction is in the indirect approach, there's no direct call to action. Mm-hmm. Okay, In the direct approach, there's a direct call to action. So in other words, if you come in on a financial coach term, you'll come into the financial coaching section of my site. And in those articles, there's a direct call to action to you know learn more about coaching with Todd. Okay. Yeah. Whereas in Pat's example, there's no direct call to action for him. He'll talk about you know, what he thinks is the best hosting service to get started with, he'll talk about the best microphone, and he's reviewed them. It's an honest review, and then and then you can decide if you want to purchase through that link or not. Right, right. So it's an indirect call to action. It's not direct. It's it's just different. Is that making sense?
1: Yeah, yeah. Do you think that's kind of the way marketing is going to have to go in the future?
0: No, I think they're both functional. Um, I think they're both perfectly acceptable. I've got both on my site. Um, you know, I'm not as good at it and I haven't fully developed it on the indirect approach. I, I built my business off the direct approach. And that's the key thing people want to understand so they don't go into overwhelm on all this stuff. Because it sounds overwhelming. My gosh, you got to yeah. build content site. You've got to be everywhere. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. No, nah, you just take it one brick at a time. You know, You start somewhere. You start building the basics and you should start with your hub, right? Awesome, yeah. You start with your site. You start building an authoritative site that converts that people – People like that are in your target market, and then you start doing your outreach, and you just keep working from there.
1: Awesome, Todd. Can you tell us about a time when you were building your business or throughout your entrepreneurial journey that there was kind of a time where it seemed like it wasn't going to work out, or there was a hard time you kind of had to work through? Was there ever a time like that?
0: Um, not really. Uh, sorry to disappoint you there. <laughs> it, you know, it was cash flow positive from the beginning. That's also the way I structured it. I mean, I, you know, I work from home. Um, I just, you know, the business, when you build this type of a business, it doesn't have a lot of expenses. Um, so pretty much all revenue is positive revenue. It has not hundred percent margins, but not that far away. And so it's, it's always worked and then it's just been an evolution. It's been an evolution of learning how to take it to the next level and the next level. And that's the entrepreneur inside of me, right? I'm just always taking it to the next level. But it's, it's always worked from, from day one.
1: Awesome. yeah. Is, is there another level you want to get to? Like is there, what's the future kind of for financial mentor and even for yourself personally? Is there something else you're going for?
0: Yeah, I'm trying to productize it. You know, I, I reached a point where I can consistently help people in the one-on-one coaching field. That was the question I began with, was, yeah. could I actually help people? Mm-hmm. And I, I've, I've done that. and I broke it down into a systematized process. And so now what I'm doing is I'm productizing that knowledge. So I'm putting it into a set of courses that I'm building out on a membership site called Seven Steps to Seven Figures. And the neat thing about that is what it does is it will scale. It will allow me to help a lot more people at a lot lower price point. Um, and so that's my vision now is to serve more people, make it more affordable. And, um, that's where I'm going with it. So I've got entry level price point stuff for books on Amazon, Mm -hmm. which I think, I think books are one of the greatest values in education. Um, you know, you get somebody's carefully thought out, carefully organized thoughts, best thoughts all organized in a book for like two and three bucks on Amazon. It's crazy cheap, you know? And then, and then in courses now, you know, it'll be a much higher personal interaction. There'll be a higher price point but it'll still be cheap compared to one-on-one coaching. And so that's where I'm going is I'm trying to help more people at a better price point.
1: Awesome. All right. Well, before we wrap things up, Todd, is there any uh, advice or any uh, tips you want to share with our audience that kind of go beyond what we've talked about already as far as marketing or getting service clients to you and charging what you want?
0: Well, I think you know just to kind of wrap it up and put it into action steps so people can make this tangible – you know the first thing you want to do is you've got to define your ideal client buying process. You've got to become really intimate with that and know how they buy. So for example, on my site, Financial Mentor, what I learned is before somebody it's, coaching is a trust relationship, as I said, and before somebody's going to hire me as a coach, they're going to spend hours on my site. Literally, it's amazing how much content they will read. They'll listen to my podcasts. They'll really spend a lot of time before they actually reach out to me. And it's a neat buying process because pretty much by the time they reach out to me, they're pre-sold. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But you know, understanding who they are, what their buying process is—that's the key point. You've got to get client-focused. It isn't about you; it's about them and their needs. Yeah. Okay. So that—that's probably the biggest tip I can leave is just you know, if you hear most of the marketing advice, it's always about what you can do. You know, right. you need to you need to build a content site. You need to reach out. You need to be everywhere. You need to do this. You need to do that. Nah. First thing you got to do is make it client focused. It's got to be all about the client because people can smell it, you know. Yeah. And then you want to learn content marketing principles, and probably you know I've named a couple really good sources here because those are ones I've used. So you could look at Pat Flynn, you could look at Copyblogger.com. Probably those two alone would cover most of your needs, you know. And so you want to start building it out piece by piece, and um, and that's it. And then as you get your hub built and get it to convert then you want to begin the be everywhere strategy and start reaching out and like you were talking about you know guest posting and putting content on other sites and being a podcast guest like i am here and so on and so forth
1: awesome well todd where can our listeners connect with you uh, i know i'm going to put the financialmentor.com link up there but is there anywhere else you'd like to uh, connect with our listeners
0: that's my hub. I'd be, I wouldn't be. I would be walking the talk if I told them <laughs> to go anywhere else, right? Exactly. So yeah, it's, it's financialmentor.com, and that's where you can reach out to any of the spokes. But everything sits on financialmentor.com.
1: Awesome. All right, Todd. Well, I want to say a big thank you on behalf of all the listeners and myself. Uh, it was good having you on the show.
0: All right. Thanks for having me. It was fun talking with you.